welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan, I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. First off, I had a great time in North Carolina. I visited my sister in law school there last weekend. She's at Wake Forest, and the weather was perfect. It was so beautiful. We went to a farm, this donation-based farm. There were goats. There were donkeys. There was a deaf dog. There were bunnies. Oh, I was living. And then we went to a vineyard with llamas. Kenzie did the dance to... Uh, Emperor's New Groove at the beginning, she can literally, this is not an exaggeration, quote that entire movie from start to finish. It's her favorite movie of all time. And I tagged David Spade in her little dance and he did view the story and did not comment. Um, And she's convinced it's because she messed up the dance a little bit. (laughs) And Winston was really cute. I had never been to that part of North Carolina before. I love North Carolina in general, especially in the fall. There's no better place to get in the fall mood, you know, than a quaint little North Carolina town. I will say Danny did ditch us uh, one of the days we were there to do schoolwork, which I would have never done, but that's why she is a better student than I was. And I'm sure she will kill it in law school, unlike myself. And other good news, just because I like to share this, because I believe when you manifest things the more you share it the more manifestations come to you I know I'm a little crazy we get it I'm superstitious remember when I put the freaking cinnamon on a quarter but I'm telling you guys it's been paying off for me I've had some good luck this month so you will see me on October 31st put about a little quarter with the cinnamon outside okay uh I won tickets on the bright line I'm not sure if I've ever talked about the bright line on here i think i have it's this train that goes down to fort lauderdale in miami and it's super nice it was originally owned by virgin so it's private transportation but it's so nice so clean and pretty and just a great way to get down south it's much faster than you know getting stuck in traffic and it's just a really pleasant experience especially if you have premium tickets because you get free drinks, alcoholic drinks and snacks. I know this is totally sounding like an ad. I literally want to be like a Brightline influencer. If there's any type of influencer I want to be, it's a Brightline influencer. So, I won these premium tickets to and from usually if we buy premium we just get it there because we're like okay we don't need to buy the expensive one for the way back uh but we have it both ways and i won tickets to a seafood festival that's going on in south beach with like an open bar and all you can eat seafood so i am amped i'm so excited on top of that taylor swift's album drops on friday tomorrow oh my gosh i can't believe it's tomorrow i guess like tonight at midnight and The fact that I can be on the train listening to the new Taylor Swift album, oh, there is is nothing better than that. I also love when she drops her albums in the fall because I like associate her albums with the fall and her earlier ones she used to always drop in the fall. She kind of deviated from that schedule a little bit uh, in the past couple of years, but I'm like with Lover, but I'm so excited we're getting back to that. And, you know, in Florida, you kind of just have to fake the fall vibes you have to feel it in your heart and taylor swift helps me feel it in my heart okay i'm sure next week i will have my thoughts on the album because i will have listened to it a million times through i have very high hopes and expectations for this one because i already just like the branding and the mood that she's going for with the track visuals the the lyrics that have been released so far 
I just, I have a good feeling about it. And on that note, let's get into our first article of the day. Y'all know I couldn't not talk about Dressing Gate. If you've heard about it, you know. So this article is called, Is This Really Olivia Wilde's Salad Dressing Recipe by Danielle Cohen? So earlier this week, the Daily Mail published this whole long-winded story from a woman who claims she was the nanny for Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis, their children, over the course of three years. And she claims that towards the end of 2020, Wilde left the family to be with Harry Styles, and this led Jason to spiral into these like rageful drinking binges, and she was getting sort of caught in the middle of it, and that she was suddenly fired by a drunk Jason in early 2021 without a severance or a recommendation letter. Now, before we get more into this story, I have a lot of thoughts I feel like I just have to get out there. First up, my thoughts on why this nanny is speaking out. Okay, she wanted to mediate with Olivia and Jason, and that did not happen because she was pissed that she did not get a severance, and she was just abruptly fired. She didn't get her recommendation letters, and obviously in an industry like this where you're so in people's lives, like you're seeing everything up close and personal, you are dealing with the thing they love most, their children. You know, I would think that letters of recommendation from a previous family that you've nanny for are like gold in this industry, right? Because you're just so up in their affairs. And I think she was just so upset that she didn't get a recommendation letter. She didn't get a severance and she was just abruptly fired. And on top of that, they were claiming that she resigned, um, which is why they were saying they didn't owe her any severance payments. So because of that, she you know couldn't collect unemployment. So she's just going scorched earth on them. And on the one hand, I get it. I mean, this was her livelihood. And I feel like she just probably thinks she got in the crossfire of this drama and that it's just not fair. And she's obviously had this story for a little while now. And I'm sure she was trying to work it out legally with them. And it got to the point where she's just like, screw this. I am going to go tell my story to the Daily Mail. At least I will get money from the Daily Mail to tell my story. But, you know, obviously it's not it's not a great thing to do. And I'm not saying she's a great person for doing this. I'm just saying I see where she's coming from to a certain extent. All that being said, she reiterates through her interview with the Daily Mail that she really cares for the children and she misses them and she doesn't want them to feel abandoned. So that comes across as slightly hypocritical when you are then going and speaking so poorly of their parents and putting all of this ish out in the open. And the whole thing gives me a little bit of an ick just discussing because obviously this is a family's intimate affairs, right? But Again, it's out in the open, so I'm going to try to treat this all with care and mostly focus on the light-hearted parts of this whole saga, such as the salad dressing recipe, because I do acknowledge that this is a difficult situation for everyone involved, and it's very not fair to the children who literally have no say in this and having their shit put out there. I really feel for them. And before I get further into it, I want to read to you 
uh, part of a joint statement by Olivia and Jason where they said, as parents, it's incredibly upsetting to learn that a former nanny of our two young children would choose to make such false and scurrilous accusations about us publicly. That being said, I'm sure there's, you know, falsities in this. I appreciate Olivia and Jason coming together in a united front. I think they felt like that was probably what they had to do to make it clear that there was inaccuracies in this account. But I think there's a lot of truth to it as well. I don't think the text messages that are included throughout the Daily Mail article are fabricated at all. I think those are very legitimate, real screenshots there's a lot of mention of Katie, who, as you know, is Katie Silberman, I'm assuming, who was the writer with Olivia Wilde on the movie. Things make sense from the text messages that just don't read as false or fabricated to me. Uh, and I think Jason and Olivia realized that they needed to do a joint statement together to kind of take the heat off this a little bit. They realized it was for the best for their children and for the both of them to just shut this all down. But again... I think everything in the text messages, in my humble opinion, is as it seems. These are just a handful of some of the things that came out in the Daily Mail story. So it says that Olivia began spending more time away from home, citing work at the start of November, and eventually dumped Sudeikis on November 8th. This was back in 2020. Now, Jason apparently uncovered the full details of Olivia's relationship with Harry by reading messages on an Apple Watch that Olivia left behind, and apparently he banned the nanny from playing Harry Styles' music near their children, which I actually thought that was kind of a funny tidbit. (laughs) And apparently Jason was very distraught following Olivia Wilde's departure, and he was left drunkenly ranting about how she left us and she's effing someone else allegedly Jason told the nanny that she put the move on him as in Harry. She kissed him at one of the dinners that they had for the cast in prom Springs. She did that. Then this is, this is the part everyone's really hung up on. Apparently Jason became infuriated after seeing wild prepare a salad for styles with her special dressing in the family kitchen, leaving him ranting furiously at her and filming the encounter before he tried to prevent her leaving by lying under the car. And during one of the altercations, Olivia apparently said, I'm scared of you, Jason. I'm scared of you. And he said, if you're scared of me, why are you leaving your kids with me? So again, you see why I'm trying to be sensitive about this? Because this is these are some wild allegations. And just you can tell this was like a huge blow up. If there's any part of this that's true, Jason leaving behind or laying behind the car is to me very, very toxic behavior. But clearly he was upset about the dressing. There's one text that says, took her salad and dressing and left them. So people have been going wild about what is the dressing. The cut article says, how long does it take to make? Is it more of a vinaigrette or a creamy ranch? But the nanny didn't know what was in the dressing. So I guess she didn't really see Olivia make it too often. She was just straight up like, I have no idea. Then in a strange turn of events, when all of this stuff was blowing up, Olivia Wilde posted an Instagram story, and it's a page from Nora Ephron's novel, Heartburn, which is actually about divorce. And on the page, it's page 177, the narrator provides a recipe for a salad dressing that she saw taught her soon-to-be ex-husband to make the night before she left him, which again, the layers of that. And the recipe is red wine vinegar, mustard, and olive oil. And as the cut points out, it's rather disappointing, but it's consistent with the astoundingly basic vinaigrette that Wilde shared with the Food Network in 2020. I have no idea why Olivia Wilde was sharing a 
recipe with the Food Network in 2020. It was also a recipe for salmon. It was salmon with a side salad. And here you go. Here's what is in this allegedly famous salad dressing. Now, no confirmation that this is the same dressing that is making everyone wild out, right? But it says that it's red wine vinegar, Dijon mustard, honey, salt, garlic, and just mixed to combine, and then slowly streaming in olive oil. And then the salad is just greens, Kalamata olives, feta, and cucumber. I'm sure to anyone who makes dressing at home, you will recognize that this dressing recipe is about as basic of a dressing recipe as you can get. This is literally my go-to salad dressing recipe. Like I riff on it. Like instead of red wine vinegar, I'll use like whatever vinegar, apple cider. I'll use balsamic. I usually use balsamic. Uh, you know, definitely Dijon mustard. Sometimes for the honey, I'll sub out uh, maple syrup or some sort of other sweetener. But the base of it is very similar. I also use pepper in addition to salt. Sometimes, you know, a little bit of garlic flake if you want to go a little spicier. But this is like your basic, basic, basic vinaigrette recipe, right? Again, it does not get any more standard than this in my mind. (laughs) So I'm quite confused why uh, this was like her special salad recipe. And again, it does have a lot of similarities to the one in Nora Ephron's novel in that it has red wine vinegar, mustard, and olive oil. But to me, that's just a testament to how common of a dressing recipe this is. Again, and I don't know how she, like, how do I say this? I don't know if she actually got inspiration from Nora Ephron's book for her recipe or if she just has like a photographic memory and remembered that there was this page in this book that mentions a vinaigrette recipe that is very similar to her own. I don't think we will ever know that. But the fact that Olivia was a little bit just stoking the flames, really kind of playing into this narrative, caught me completely off guard. Like, I could not... I was like, what? I was speechless. Because if you look at all the drama surrounding Don't Worry Darling, Olivia seemed very hesitant to feed into any of the talk on the internet or in the tabloids. And... She was like, she even said the internet feeds itself, right? I don't need to add to this narrative. And then for her to kind of flip that on its head in this case and put this out there. And maybe it's because she wants to kind of distract from the more uh, dramatic sides of this narrative from the nanny that she's focusing on this lighthearted part, as I am hoping to do as well. I don't know. I I, I can't wait for an Olivia Wilde tell-all. I, I, I need that so badly. I hope that E! Hollywood Story comes back, does a whole special on Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis, and we get the answers that we are all dying for. If I was Olivia, I would immediately be creating a salad dressing and selling it. Like, I'm not kidding. I'd be talking to Hellman's, whatever, Paul Newman. I'd be like, let's go. This is the special Olivia Wilde dressing collab. Um, I think I would call it Wild Dressing you know, why not? Like we don't have to get too creative here. And it's also ironic because it's not wild at all. Um, and just run with it and make a bank because I can tell you for a fact, I would buy the dressing. I would buy it. I don't even care that I could put it on. Like I, I can make it better at home. I would want that bottle. I'd probably leave it unopened and leave it on my vanity for all eternity. 
If you want all of the salacious, juicy details, because I mean, there are a lot. It's a very rambling article in typical Daily Mail fashion where they repeat themselves over and over again, but you have to read the whole thing because little tidbits are revealed in each part. Go read it. Again, if I didn't feel so guilty, I would tell you everything. I would I would go through every detail of it. But uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack. So, you know, I'll link it in the show notes if you're interested. In the same vein of celebs behaving badly, if you will, we have the next story. James Corden has been unbanned from Balthazar by Rebecca Alter. So you might not have heard that James Corden was banned from Balthazar because this all went down very, very quickly. Balthazar is a very, very popular restaurant in New York City. I don't know how, I've never been, but it's one of those places that was so in vogue, you know, years and years ago, like when it first opened, and somehow has kind of maintained being a place that people in general and celebrities love to go to. It's sort of this like French bistro vibes. And the owner, restaurateur of it, Keith McNally, posted a somewhat unhinged uh, Instagram also on Monday of this week, you know, it was big news. On Monday, we had the dressing gate and we had all of this going down. And, you know, James Corden, obviously, he's the host of The Late Late Show. So this is what Keith wrote. He said, James Corden is a hugely gifted comedian, but a tiny cretin of a man and the most abusive customer to my Balthazar server since the restaurant opened 25 years ago. I don't often 86 a customer. Today, I... 86th Corden. It did not make me laugh. Here are two examples of the funny man's treatment of my staff. The fact that he only includes two manager's reports makes me think that there was many more examples and that James must have been going to Balthazar a lot. Like, I feel like a place like Balthazar, you have to assume that they are frequently being faced with highly annoying and abrasive customers. So, This means, in my opinion, that James really took it too far. Now, let's get into the actual manager's reports that are copy and pasted here, and I will give you my thoughts. So manager's report number one. In June, James Corden was here on table 61. Although this is diabolical, it happens very occasionally in all restaurants. I have no idea what that means. Can someone who's in the business tell me what table 61 means and why that's bad? It says, after eating his main course, Corden showed the hair to Balthazar manager G, who was very apologetic. Corden was extremely nasty to G and said, get us another round of drinks this second and also take care of all of our drinks so far. The way I write any nasty reviews in Yelp or anything like that. Again, I'm I'm reading that to you as written. It's a little bit hard to follow, but <laughs> to give you the gist, obviously, James must have found a hair and his drink and then he's demanding for not only a second round of drinks on the restaurant, but to also get all of his previous drinks taken care of because otherwise he would write a nasty review on Yelp. Now, I have to say and preface this all by noting that I'm one of those people when I find a bug in my stuff, if I find a hair in my stuff, I am so worried about like ruffling the server's feathers or, you know, the back staff's feathers that I usually just... Uh, take it out and get on with my life. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've taken bugs out of my drink and kept drinking it. Uh, sometimes like if my family I'm with is like disturbed, I'll agree to trade it out. But especially living in Florida, there's just always little like fruit flies, little noceums around that will like fall in the drink. It's not that it got served with the bug in it usually. It's usually that you're like at the table and a bug falls in it. Same with hair. Usually if there's a hair in my food, 
I'm honestly going to assume it's mine. I shed like no other. I imagine I shed like if Bigfoot himself was clomping around this house, you know, like just everywhere. And it's on me at all times, all over my clothing. So unless it is like a blonde short hair, I'm going to assume it's mine. And even if it's blonde and short, I'm probably just going to assume it's one of my grays that fell out, you know, and maybe that's something I tell myself so that I feel better about continuing to eat it. But um, yeah, I just, I try to just take it out, get on with my life. And that's that. And I'm not saying that's the right way to go. And I think obviously it's totally fine to send things back if there's something like a hair in it, but it's all about the tone, right? You just say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. There's a hair in this. Like, is there any way I could trade it out for a new dish? You're not demanding drinks, you know, like, especially when you're James Corden, because unfortunately for celebrities, when you're in the public eye, you have to realize that every single act you do is going to be dissected and taken note of. So the fact that you are willing to be in the public eye and still act like this tells me that how you act behind closed doors must be even a million times worse. So I feel very bad for his wife. Uh, Maybe she's like this too. Who knows? But yikes. So here's manager's report number two. James Corden was at Balthazar with his wife on October 9th for brunch. He asked for a table outside. Brunch maitre d' Allie Walters took the party to table 301. Mr. Corden's wife ordered an egg yolk omelet with Gruyere cheese and salad. A few minutes after they received the food, James called their server, MK, and told her there was a little bit of egg white mixed with the egg yolk. MK informed the floor manager, G. The kitchen remade the dish, but unfortunately sent it with home fries instead of salad. That's when James Corden began yelling like crazy to the server. You can't do your job. You can't do your job. Maybe I should go into the kitchen and cook the omelet myself. MK was very apologetic and brought G over to the table. He returned the dish, and after that, everything was fine. He gave them promo champagne glasses to smooth things out. G said that Corden was pleasant to him, but nasty to the server. MK was very shaken, but professional that she is, continued to finish her shift. So I just promptly ran over to the Balthazar brunch menu to see if they had an egg yolk omelet on their menu, because I have literally never heard of that in my life. All it says is omelet with fine herbs, and gruyere or cheddar cheese. It retails for $25. You know, not like the cheapest omelet, but I don't think insane for a brunch dish in New York City. Uh, Yeah, again, does not mention it being yolk. Like how many yolks would it take to make a full-sized omelet? Because French omelets, which I'm assuming this is, Usually you need at least three eggs, three large eggs to get the correct texture because I've tried to make many a French omelet in my life and you need that, you know, you just need that amount of liquid and substance to get it to (laughs) come together the right way. So I can't imagine what the equivalent of three whole eggs would be in egg yolks and how kind of rich and cloying that would be. And like, the amount of cholesterol, like honey, I mean, I'm not like an egg white girly. I love my eggs. I love yolks, but I would think it would have to be at least six or seven egg yolks. And that, that just seems a little excessive for one brunch. And like, are you charging more since it's just the yolks? And then you have to be back there, you know, separating all the eggs out. I'm just, I, that's really what I can't get over in all of this. The fact that they ordered a full egg yolk omelet. I just have never heard of that in my life. Guys, wait, I need to do some more Googling. I I, I must know. 
Okay, thank God. Luckily for me, after the story came out, multiple publications were equally baffled and decided to try making an all-yolk omelet themselves. So this is from the Washington Post, and it says, an all-yolk omelet is far less common than an egg white one. None of my colleagues had even heard of such a thing. It raised so many questions. First of all, why? An all-yolk omelet contains far more cholesterol and fat because yolks contain both than a regular one, much less an egg white version. Perhaps it's a keto thing? And also how? We fretted about the texture issues it theoretically presented. Egg whites are what gives an omelet its signature puff. Omitting them would surely result in a thinner, denser round. And as my colleague wondered, how did they even notice that there was a touch of ug touch of egg white in the incorrectly made dish literally these people read my mind these are all the questions i also had so they figured it was worth a try to see how they could do this they also came to the same conclusion as me that after looking at the brunch menu this must be the omelet with fine herbs and gruyere cheddar cheese and she had consulted a chef about this and they had said like you're probably going to need at least something to water down the yolks like a splash of milk or a little bit of water just to give you a little bit of bulk so it can spread out. So she says that five yolks and a splash of milk weren't enough to coat the entire bottom of the eight inch pan she was using without it getting so thin as to become a mere crip. So the shape was a little freeform. She sp- sprinkled it with cheddar and went for a single fold presentation, which again is not like your classic French omelet style. And she says the product looked not bad exactly, but it was thin and violently gold. She flicked it with some herbs around the plate, figuring that a good garnish can hide a multitude of sins. She says she was optimistic about the flavor since the yolks are her favorite part of an egg. Okay, so she says it has a good eggy profile, but the dense, heavy texture of the thing, which turned leathery as it cooled, ultimately made it unappealing. Again, this is exactly what I was expecting, but I love that the author of this Washington Post article, she's like, I poured myself a glass of bubbly, just like how they smoothed out the situation. And she says, you know, maybe you probably shouldn't act like a picky celebrity who needs placating, but sometimes it's nice to treat yourself like one. So thank you, Washington Post. Thank you for answering my questions. Okay, but back to the cut article. I loved this sentence from it said, it's the Ellen Trap or the wife guy's dilemma. When you build your public persona around being some version of, quote, nice, it's doubly damning to dabble in dickery. (laughs) But then just a few hours after this was posted, Keith McNally posted on his Instagram again. And to my knowledge, last time I checked, he had not deleted the original Instagram. It was still there. So this is the update he gave. It says, James Corden just called me and apologized profusely. Having fucked up myself more than most people, I strongly believe in second chances. But anyone magnanimous enough to apologize to a deadbeat layout bout like me and my staff doesn't deserve to be banned from anywhere, especially Balthazar. No, come on, Keith. Like, stand stand up for yourself and your staff. Like, just because he apologized, that doesn't mean he should be welcomed back in your institution of course he has to apologize and of course he's going to call you who's high up in the restaurant field like he doesn't care about the staff that he was rude to i'm sure if keith had been at his table that day he wouldn't have treated him the same way and to me that is some of the most repulsive behavior of all when you believe that you should treat people differently based on some artificial standing that you've created in your mind of where they fall on the hierarchy also please predict with me if you were James Corden, would you step foot in Balthazar again? Like I would not be able to set foot in any Keith McNally restaurant ever again. Because you know all the staff is going to be on high alert. And I would be so 
ungodly embarrassed. Like, I'm sorry, make your own freaking egg yolk omelet at home. I just, I, there's no world where I'd be able to go back to that restaurant. I didn't go back to a restaurant for like three years that I gave a three-star review on Yelp. And now, I don't want this to change your opinion of me. I am not someone who is like running to Yelp to write Yelp reviews, okay? I'm really not. I just had a really, really bad experience and I gave a three-star review that I have since deleted, okay? They offered me a free meal. I felt too bad. I was like, absolutely not. I'm not accepting this free meal. I deleted the review. You know, I think I have one other like bad review and other than that, I, I've just written a couple, I think in total, I've written like six Yelp reviews and the rest of them are five stars because it was people, you know, asking to leave reviews. I hate myself for it too, but I'm telling you the treatment has to be so, so, so egregious for me to even contemplate doing that. And I feel like that was a short lived time in my life. That was years ago. I was younger. I was a different person. I probably wasn't even medicated yet. And I've, I've left that in the past. Um, but yes, that's my point. I I couldn't return to a restaurant after leaving a three-star review until I deleted that review and like let years pass because I was so mortified. I just cannot imagine like openly yelling at waitstaff and, or, and then having a public Instagram written about me and setting foot in there again. Like it, it just, it just would not happen. And on top of all of that, in my opinion, being rude to waitstaff are honestly anyone in any service industry, I mean, obviously being rude to anyone in general is gross, but especially waitstaff, that is like the number one red flag in my book because they already are in a very stressful environment. They are literally trying to give you a good experience. And even if they're in a bad mood, even if they're not doing like the best, like, I can't imagine tipping anyone less than 20% ever. I can't imagine yelling at anyone. I can't imagine even for a second trying to make someone feel bad for them trying to do their job. And maybe this stems from my very short stint in the restaurant industry when I mostly just washed dishes because the boss did not trust me to do anything else. Um, And on the few occasions when I did do something else, I spilled like an entire soda on someone's lap. Um... I think that experience alone was just enough to make me realize that it is a very hard job and, you know, just be kind to people. Damn. Like, do you think I wanted to spill that soda in someone's lap? Like, I was so mortified. (laughs) And on that note, our blind item today had to be about James Corden, obviously. So this blind item is from Crazy Days and Nights. As usual, this is a blind item, meaning, you know, it's not substantiated journalism, take it with a grain of salt. But I think from everything we've heard, we can probably see, you know, where this is coming from. So it's from August 2nd, 2020. And it says there's a lot of buzz that this foreign born talk show host may replace the one named host. Great idea. Replace the most hated host with the second most hated host. Of course, this is about James Corden and Ellen saying that James Corden would replace Ellen and that Ellen being the most hated host would be replaced by the second most hated host, James Corden. And I read through a lot of his blinds and pretty much all of them I read had to do with underpaying staff and being rude to fans and the people who worked for him, including his writers, which obviously the writers on your show are what is making your show. James Corden is not back there writing his jokes every day. Okay. He's depending on his writers to do that. And so to treat them like shit is just is a new low. 
And I just have heard so many times that he is so rude. I remember years ago, it was literally the same year his show started. I had got tickets to go see one of his shows. I was in California with my family and I read reviews online because I wanted to see like what to expect, like going to the show. And every single review was like, James Corden's an asshole. Like he does not interact with the audience at all. Like once the cameras turn on, he switches into a completely different person than what he was when the cameras were off. I've heard very similar things about Jimmy Kimmel because I also tried to go to one of his shows. Maybe in some luck of the universe, both shows I was unable to go to. I forget why we couldn't go to James Corden, but his didn't work out. And then Jimmy Kimmel's, uh, my mom and I were too busy getting drunk at a hard rock cafe and then didn't get to his show in time and missed it we were literally at the hard rock across the street um and walked over and it was uh we were like the next cut off like the people in front of us got in and we didn't so maybe it was the universe having my back and i know it's like a fun pastime to kind of talk about which celebrities are rude and whatever and you know i think probably a lot of it like again everyone's entitled to a bad day some people are just very introverted and shy and it might be hard for them to like constantly interact with fans. But when you see repeatedly that people are not treating their quote subordinates, like I, I don't even like thinking of it that way, but people who are depending on them for a paycheck fairly, that to me is just repulsive and gross. And, um, you know, I won't be going to a James Corden show anytime soon. All right, guys, we have made it to our legit shit of the day. I shared this on TikTok. If you guys aren't following me on TikTok yet, follow me over there at Bailey Evan. You can follow me on pretty much anywhere at Bailey Evan or at Kind of Cute Podcasts on Instagram. And I was sharing like my favorites. And again, I don't think I've talked about these on here, but they are the Siete grain-free vegan Mexican wedding cookies. If you're a fan of like a little crispy cookie that's covered in powdered sugar, because I, I, I like any type of cookie like that. Like I love like the key lime flavor ones, the citrus ones. I love a Mexican wedding cookie. If you're into that vibe, you will like these cookies. I got mine from Costco. I was talking to you guys all last time about how I was so proud of having a Costco membership. Um, and they are just like really delicious. Great with a little cup of tea. Normally, like if I'm having like a real cookie, I want it to be chewy. I want it to be chewy and soft with a little bit of crisp around the edges. That's how I want my chocolate chip cookies. But a little tea cookie, it has to be crispy, you know? It has to just kind of be crispy, but then kind of melt while you're drinking the hot, warm drink. And these these will do that for you. Um, so check them out. They also sell them at Publix, like any sort of grocery store I've seen them at. And that being said, if you do go follow me on TikTok, I'd also really appreciate it if you left a review for this podcast. I'm still stuck at 41 on Spotify and 69 on Apple, guys. It's so easy on Spotify. Just go find my show, rate it five stars. It's one click of one button. And then on Apple Podcasts, it's a little bit more complicated, but still super easy. You just search for my podcast, scroll all the way down, and you'll see write a review and you can click on that, leave five stars, and then give a little written review. And I would appreciate that so much. And above all else, if you did enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and let them know that it's a fun listen. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye.